If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Psalm 31 tonight, although we're going to have some introductory comments in relationship to uh, Psalm 27 before we get to Psalm 31. But uh, Psalm 31, uh, the Messiah's dying prayer is what I've titled the message. We are currently looking at what are called the Messianic Psalms. And the Messianic Psalm is one that is clearly tied prophetically uh, to the coming Messiah, as we see in the New Testament. Uh, Some of the Psalms are more clearly Messianic than others, meaning they have a definite prophetic tie that the New Testament plainly references, uh, while others are not quite as clear. For example, some would put Psalm 27 in the Messianic Psalm category. But others would not. And so, you know, it kind of gets, well, do you want to put it in that category or not? Is there there a prophecy that relates to the Messiah here uh, directly or not? And uh, so there are some situations where you certainly can make applications, but is there a direct connection? It's sometimes not as clear. For example, what I'm talking about here, uh, Psalm 27, 12 Do not deliver me, David is speaking, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Well, certainly this applies to David, right? Absolutely. But does it directly have a prophetic tie to the greater David, uh, the Messiah? Well, some think so. I mean, you do have references like this uh, in uh, Matthew, False witnesses have risen against me, uh, Psalm 27, 12. And then in Matthew 26, 60, uh, even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, but at, la- at last two false witnesses came forward. So, you know, you do have this, you do have that general tie. <laughs> so certainly there's application to the Messiah. And as he too did experience uh, being uh, witnessed against falsely, and, uh, but the question again is, uh, is it specifically a messianic prophecy or not? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And with that in mind, uh, let's come to uh, Psalm 31, where we do have a direct quote from Jesus on the cross, which everyone agrees is a clear and indisputable messianic tie. So let's uh, note, uh, Psalm 31, at the top there, we've got the uh, inscription, To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of David. So again, uh, it's a a Psalm of David. Peter did call David a prophet in Acts chapter 2, verse 30. And uh, it is said that David prophetically, as far as David's writings, he prophetically said more about the Messiah than any other subject. And I think that is certainly true. It's also said that uh, David's life is largely about a a sort of acted-out parable on the sufferings and glory of Christ. Well, in a sense, you can see that too, but again, how far do you go with these things? But let's read together. I'm sure you'll pick up the verse here that relates to Jesus. But let's read the psalm. Uh, In Psalm 31, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. 
Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I've hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I'm a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side while they take counsel together against me. They scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I will trust in you, O Lord. I will say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Well, in Psalm 31, we have David moving from anguish to assurance. But in the midst of it all, we see this consistent emphasis on trust, on trust. We could title Psalm 31, David's Testimony of Trust and Praise. Uh, we could outline it this way, just in a general way. Uh, lament and faith, first 18 verses, and then kind of praise, uh, praise for God's preservation from 19 through the end of the chapter. Well, let's pick out a few highlights uh, in this psalm with special emphasis on verse 5, which directly connects with Christ the Messiah in the New Testament. That's why we call it the Messianic psalm here. It's really not, not the whole psalm. It's really, you could call it a Messianic verse in this psalm. Well, David begins with an affirmation of trust. Very first verse. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. And then building on that, he asks for God's intervention. Well, David is asking uh, for God's deliverance from his enemies. And it is in that context we have verse 5. Notice what verse 5 says. Into your hand I commit my spirit, for you have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. David is committing himself to God in the face of extreme peril that is life-threatening. 
But in the New Testament, Christ quotes this very psalm, this very phrase, in his final words before he dies. Uh, We read it in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. These are Christ's last words. Quoted from Psalm 31, verse 5. It's a statement of complete trust, of completely entrusting oneself into the care of God. You know, Jesus is the most fascinating person because he was fully God and yet fully man in one person. I mean, and how that all fits is is there's mystery in the mix there. But he experienced everything we do as human beings, including dying. Only he did so without personal sin. (laughs) He took our sin on him. But he knows what it's like to die. I mean, he became a human and died. And uh, as we look at this, you know, it's, it's a wonderful um, example how you, can, how you face death as, as a child of God, how we can face death as a child of God. The word commit here, when it says, uh, into your hand I commit my spirit, the word commit is sometimes translated as trust. Uh, it means to deposit like one would deposit money in a bank. And it is translated as, as stored in Jeremiah 36.20. So to commit here means to completely entrust oneself into the care of God. A person's spirit stands for their very being. As I say, this was a climactic expression of trust. as quoted by the Lord in his dying breath. It is to commit all that a person is into the eternal care of God. That's what Jesus did. As a human being. Uh, and he went through a lot on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he, you know, as far as his uh, human anguish and what he's experiencing there. Now the only other place the sense of Psalm 31.5 is quoted in the New Testament. It really comes from the, the lips of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. As he was being martyred, uh, he said this. <clears throat> similar sentiment. Uh, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Down through the church age, many martyrs have said something like this as they were dying. And Peter exhorts the suffering saints to have this attitude in their time of affliction. And notice what Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good, as to a faithful creator. So not only in death, but also in life, we should constantly be committing our souls to God in doing good as we rely upon him as a faithful creator. Well, David committed himself to God, referring uh, to him at the end of verse 5 as the Lord God of truth. It's because he is a God of truth that we can depend upon him. We can commit all that we are for all, uh, into his hands for time and eternity. He's a faithful God. He's a God of truth. Uh, in Revelation 19, we read of Jesus. Now I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he who saw, sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Uh, you can count on Jesus. He is faithful, and he'll be faithful 
in death, just as he's been faithful in life. This is who our Lord is. He is faithful and true. Now, life is funny, uh, you know, ironically. Uh, little by little, we accumulate more and more often as we go through life. We grow in stature in terms of our position in life, and so we kind of build our, uh, our lives and our careers and, and all of that. But then as we get older, little by little, it seems to be taken from us. I mean, our health begins to deteriorate. Our funds that we've saved start to dwindle. Our abilities, our, our assets, our perhaps prominent in the community, little by little, start to go by the wayside. And then we come to the end where we can't even take care of ourselves. And what are we left with then? Well, we can commit ourselves to God. We still have God if we're believers. And this is what it comes down to, trusting in God when we have nothing else to lean on. And in that position, we find that God is true. His promises are true. He is faithful and true. And therefore, he is worthy of our trust. Now, it's worth noting that while David was looking to God at this point to deliver him from death, Jesus was looking to the Father to deliver him from this life into his eternal plan. Uh, God's best does not always mean immediate deliverance from physical distress, persecution, or death. Sometimes God delivers us from what we're going through by means of death, in which death is ultimately swallowed up in victory. I have a friend that was telling me uh, he was in Hawaii on January 13th, 2018. You know what happened that day? Well, he was telling me, and I recalled it as he told me the story, that there was a missile scare. And uh, the people were told that they had 17 minutes. And it came by way of Twitter. And then it's in the hotel room. It's on the television. I mean, this looks real. I mean, here's, here's, here's what it was, right? I don't know if you can read this. Emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He said it was crazy. People were hiding in manholes. They, they, they were just losing their minds. And uh, he said his kids were calling him all of a sudden. They never call. They're calling. <laughs> telling they love him, you know, and, and all this. He said, he said, I really didn't believe it. In fact, he said, I had an appointment to somebody to give him a car ride around the island. He said, I, 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 his wife said, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to go do a car ride. <laughs> he said, it was wonderful. There wasn't anybody else out there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then after 17 minutes of this, they said, oh, by the way, false alarm, false alarm. But he asked me a very interesting question. My friend said to me, and this, I've been working with him. I'm not sure he's even a believer yet. He intellectually knows, but uh, he's smart, smart, and he intellectually knows. But anyway, uh, he asked me this question. He says, how would you respond if you knew you had 17 minutes to live or a short time to live? How would you respond? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, what would you say? By the way, you know, before I tell you what I told him, what would you say? Let's go get ice cream. 
that's what planning. He was saying, let's go, let's go do our car ride that we're planning on. It's not a bad, not, yeah, let's carry on. Yeah, that's, that's true. But uh, I told him about D.L. Moody. And I said, D.L. Moody uh, was asked uh, about um, dying. And uh, someone asked him if he had dying grace. And D.L. Moody said, no, why should I? I'm not dying yet. And then D.L. Moody said, I find that many Christians are in trouble about the future. They think they will not have enough grace enough to die by. It's much more important that we should have grace enough to live by. It seems to me that death is of very little importance in the meantime. When the dying hour comes, there will be dying grace. But you do not require dying grace to live by. Well, that's pretty profound. And how did it go for D.L. when it came the dying hour? I mean, did he experience dying grace? Well, his dying words were these. Earth recedes, heaven opens before me. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me, and I must go. Ah, that's really wonderful. Indeed, God does give living grace for living, and he gives dying grace for dying. And some people, while they're living, are all worried about dying. Maybe just live out one day at a time, go get ice cream. You know, do, do the next thing, right? I love this verse. It's a beautiful verse from John, 1 John 1, 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Literally, grace piled upon grace. Each step of the way, we have grace. We have grace for living. We have grace for dying. Whatever we're going through. And how wonderful that is. You know, we serve the living God. We know the living God. And he, li- he interacts with us as the living God and gives us what we need. We can cast all of our cares upon him. He's our good shepherd leading us each step of the way on the journey, all along. We don't have to worry about, you know, next week. Take one day at a time, Jesus told us. Well, as David continues on in Psalm 31, he again affirms his trust in the Lord as seen in verse 6. He pours out his heart to God, saying, I'm in trouble, verse 9. My life is spent with grief, verse 10. Fear is on every side, verse 13. It's a mess. And then yet again, he affirms his trust in the Lord. This is what he says after saying all that, and a lot of other things along the way there too. But then he says in verse 14, but as for me, in spite of all of this, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Comes back to that for David. Circumstances weren't very pleasant. It was challenging. I'm in trouble. My life is spending grief, fear on every side. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Well, when everything seems against you and life doesn't seem to really have a sweet spot, Where do you go? Well, David went to the Lord and over and over affirmed his trust in him. Uh, Janie had an uncle by the name of Richard who went through kind of a prolonged period of of sickness, and he was home. In fact, they were missionaries for many years in the Philippines. 
But uh, the family took care of him, and uh, really godly cousin of Janie's, she constantly emphasized to her dad, trust, trust. Dad, it's all about trust. We just have to trust God. We have to trust God for today. Every step of the way, this was her whole theme. Trust. That is the whole big issue. And then uh, he says, uh, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And then he says in verse 15, what a great comforting verse. My times are in your hand. All these people are against me. All these circumstances are against me. And they're, they're slandering me. They want to take me out. And they're plotting against me. And all of this stuff. But he says, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. But I want to pick up on that little phrase. My times are in your hand. This is is one of the great statements about trust in the Bible. Uh, David here recognizes that the Lord is in control of every aspect of his life. He recognizes that God is the one who ultimately controls his time on earth. We are immortal until our time is done. And God is sovereignly in charge of these things. And somehow that's comforting. If you know God and you know the kind of God that he is and, and he cares for you and he's got a purpose for you, and he's, you can rest in that. Job, I think, found comfort there. Job 14.5, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. You know the appointment verse, right? Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. It's by appointment. In Psalm 139.16, David again writes, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, all the days that were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. All of life, the events and circumstances, the very number of our days is in God's hands. He is sovereign over the whole of life. We can trust him. You can trust him with that. What a great statement. My times are in your hand. I'm glad they're not in anybody else's hand. God's sovereign hand is uh, in control. Indeed, Our times are in his hands. So we can trust this God who is our rock, as he says, our fortress and our strength. Isaiah 26, 4 says, trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. How can this be everlasting strength? That goes on beyond this life even. Ultimately, we are going to experience resurrection strength. You know, there there is life beyond this life. Starting with verse 19, the mood turns, largely to praise. As David, in anticipation of answered prayer, says, Oh, how great is your goodness. And then he says, a few verses later, verse 22, I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. He thought it was over. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out, God works through prayer. And sometimes when things are really looking bleak, it's easy to think the worst. It's easy to think it's over. That's what David said. I said in my haste, it's over. I'm cut off. But then he prayed. And God works through prayer. 
With God, it's not over until it's over. And it's good to remember that our times are in his hand. And he answers prayer according to his goodwill and pleasure for his glory. And so David concludes this psalm with these words. Great way to end the psalm. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Well, sometimes he preserves us in terms of this life, David, and sometimes he preserves us through death as he transitions us to glory. The greater David's application of verse 5. But whatever the case, we can trust him. We can trust him for life. We can trust him in death. And all along the way, he is a faithful God. John Huss was a predecessor to the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. Uh, He lived from 1369 to 1450. He was a Czech reformer. And the Catholic Church, the hierarchy, hated, hated him with a passion, John Huss. And so as they sentenced him to death as a heretic, they said to him, And now we commit thy soul to the devil. And John Huss very calmly responded, I commit my spirit into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I wonder who's going to have the, the, the hand there. Uh, who's, whose hand is he going to be, you know, you have the power to put me in the devil. He was committing himself to Jesus Christ. After his resurrection, Jesus said this to Peter. Really a profound thing that he said to Peter in John chapter 21. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. John adds the commentary that Christ in saying this was indicating by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. You see, God uses our lives as well as our death to bring glory to himself. And he's got a purpose in whatever he has for us. Sometimes we worry about, you know, we say, well, you know, you know I don't mind the dying, but it's a process. I don't, like the process. I don't like the prospect of a bad process either. But God is sovereign over that too. Our times are in his hand. And when our time comes, in absolute trust, we can commit our spirit into his care. He's a faithful creator, a faithful redeemer. Happy is the man who can look around the table and say, no matter what happens, we'll all be together again. And blessed is the person who at the end of their life can with full assurance say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a statement of ultimate trust. What a way to end your life. Person of faith ends with an ultimate statement of trust and dependence upon God. Charles Wesley said to his brother John one day, Brother, our people die well. You know what? Indeed, God's people die with dying grace. 
We follow our Lord, the most perfect example of living and dying faith ever seen. Indeed, God's people die well, especially if they have lived well to the glory of God. The dominant theme of Psalm 31 is trust. We can live in trust, knowing our times are in his hand, and we can die trusting, committing our spirit into his hands. Note this, again, by way of review. David says, verse 1, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. In verse 6, But I trust in the Lord. Verse 14, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And verse 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Well, be of good courage, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen. Let's stand and have our closing song.